Hello and welcome to episode 169 of Section 138, a Toronto Blue Jays podcast. I am your host for this week, Bryce Imposa, our usual host, Mark Colley, was unable to join us this week. Um, he will be back next week for sure, but on the other side of this, Jacob is officially back, technically back, after missing our emergency podcast uh, a few days ago when re- the reported signing of Jose Barrios began to circulate throughout the baseball world. And Jacob, uh, as of yesterday, which was Thursday afternoon around 12 o'clock Eastern time, the official contract extension for the next seven years with Jose Barrios became official. How are you? You know what? I'm going to ignore what happened last night and say that this week overall was a very good week for the Blue Jays, and therefore, I'm happy. You know what? It There was some hardware or, or some uh, some stuff uh, given out to teams or to the players, some guaranteed contracts. You know, overall, it's a, it's a good time to be a Blue Jay fan, especially considering that what we've seen this year or this year is reflective of this week and it's only a matter of time before this team is uh, even further in the playoffs with these uh, award caliber players we will be talking about the specific award that was handed out last night because for those of you who are regular listeners and those of you who aren't Jacob has very very opinionated on one certain topic but we will get to that <laughs> in just a little bit we'll start things off though with obviously again the main piece of news this week, which came with the official contract extension uh, becoming official yesterday, which was announced at a press conference down at Rogers Center with Jose Barrios and general manager Ross Atkins, a seven-year deal worth $131 million. Jose Barrios, uh, what do you call it, decides to skip free agency, which he was supposed to do at the end of 2022, which would have been next season. He now will be a Blue Jay for the next seven years. And Jacob, Mark and I were talking about this a few days ago, or kind of our initial thoughts and everything like that. And since you were unable to join us, I'll give you the floor a little bit on this one, kind of just let you share your thoughts on this extension. And uh, on top of that, I'll ask you, were you surprised with this, with the announcement of this extension? And did you think this was happening uh, throughout this winter? Well, first of all, I will say I am beyond surprised that it happened, or at least seven years. Like I would have... I, I like I really like the deal. Like, I'm happy that he's a Blue Jay for the next seven years. I think that he needed to come back in order to make that trade with Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson worth it. Just my opinion. I think a year and a half might not have been uh, fully enough. But overall, like I think it's a good deal. Like when you look at it from the Blue Jays' perspective, this season was the best of Brios's career. And when you think about it. Even the last couple seasons, he's been one of the most durable, and he's had the second highest start total out of anybody in the league over the last uh, six or however many years he's been in the league. So he's a durable guy. He's a good guy. Blue Jays really they got a bargain for him, and the average annual value is I think at eighteen and a half million dollars or something. And the official breakdown has been released the last few days, but basically you're getting a guy that is top of the line starter caliber for the entirety of your competitive window alongside Alec Manoa alongside Nate Pearson at least for the next two seasons Hyunjin Ryu maybe Robbie Ray like basically your rotation is now set and it's just say say the deal doesn't work out the way you hope it does like maybe look at the Mark Burley deal where it was around 20 million for I think it was four years and it, it did work out at times but there were some decline in his later years it wasn't as bad of a deal for the Blue Jays because they could still afford him uh, and even if they wanted to shop him they could and obviously I think it's a little too early to talk about that but my point is is it's a lot of term but it's the money is worth it for the Blue Jays if it works out and if he is your ace if he's 
even if he's your number two option, this is a very good number two option, and he's probably a number one option on a lot of uh, a lot of pitching staff. So I'm very happy with the deal. I was surprised about it that it happened this offseason and that it was as many years as it was. I thought, to be honest, he would have tested free agency, and we did hear from him that he was, if he was to stay a twin, was to pursue free agency. And really, the one difference is the Blue Jays, the two months that he had with them, he said that that was enough to convince him to stay. And so, it's you know what? It's a good deal for him. It's a good deal for the team. And, you know, I mentioned earlier the competitive window. You kind of got to consider that. I mean, a lot of these guys that the Blue Jays have are not even in free agency, uh, more of their position players, and they're going to stay here for the next four to six years, uh, depending on who you're talking about. But most of the team now is set. Like each off season, you're just going to need to make little acquisitions here and there. And really you have what's looking to be a world series caliber team year in and year out. So I think it's a fantastic signing. The one thing that I was worried about other than Barrios, like when you look at the team in general is how does this impact their the, the team's position to sign anybody else, particularly Robbie Ray. And the message that I got from a lot of reporters was that there really isn't much of an impact. Like they could still afford Robbie Ray for five years if they wanted him, could still go out and get somebody else. I know Noah Syndergaard signed later that day or within 24 hours of that signing. So he's off the market. But that's the other big part is you can still go out and get somebody. And therefore, I think that this deal, it's one that you have to take really. If you're if you're Jose Barrios, this gives you a guaranteed contract. Gives you it's a guaranteed 130 million maximum of 140. But for him, it's an amazing deal, and for the team, really, you get a what's looking to be a very consistent starter for the entirety of his prime, and especially when your team's entering uh, their competitive prime. So it's I'm very happy with it. Absolutely, it is. And we were talking about this a couple of days ago of how we thought the money that he's getting, which is 131 million. He possibly could have gotten a lot more if he went to free agency. And that's why, um, you know, a lot of, or Mark and I were also kind of questioning why, you know, like, why would Brios do this? But, you know, I think we got a lot of answers yesterday throughout the uh, the press conference and, ever, and everything like that. Jose Brios was in at, or at Rogers Center yesterday, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, and uh, everything became official. He spoke to the media. And, um, you know, the sense that I got too, and I think that, a lot of it made sense to why he decided to sign the contract it was just the way he felt about the organization and the way he was talking about it. And really, it sounds like the Jays really won him over in his short two months um, or two months with the Jays last year when they got him uh, at the trade deadline. And he came over here pretty much not knowing what to expect, probably expecting a pitch here, obviously, in 2022 and then test the market, go to free agency. And um, throughout those two months, a lot of it changed for him. And he flat out said it. You can see the emotion when he was talking about some of the, you know, just I think it was at the beginning of the press conference when he got a a little emotional. But you can tell he was talking um, 100% the truth and everything he pretty much said he meant. And that was flat out that this organization has changed his mind and welcomed him with open arms and has made him feel as comfortable as possible. And I think that the fact that he says this is kind of, or it just the fact that it relates to you know why he signed this makes a lot of sense. He feels comfortable with the team, and he was willing to bypass free agency and potentially get paid even more uh, after next season. And he decides to stick with the Blue Jays for the next seven years. And yeah, you were talking about where he sits on the depth chart. You know, as of now, he's probably your opening day starter, barring any other signings that potentially can come uh, throughout the rest of the way. And um, you know, the fact of his durability, like you mentioned as well. 
He's basically stayed healthy his entire career. And if you're going to give somebody a seven-year extension worth that much money right now to Jose Brios, who I think is 27 years old and has pretty much been healthy, as I just said, you want to do that and you're comfortable with doing that. And that's why this signing um, is very, you know, it's just, it's an absolute win for the Blue Jays. There's no complaints here. It even makes the initial trade for him in August make a lot more sense. And, um, you know, after what you gave up for him, you gave up Austin Martin, you gave up Simeon Woods Richardson. So the fact that now that you have him penciled in for the next seven years make thing, or makes things look a lot brighter for this organization. And and uh, quite frankly, this was a priority that we kind of expected. And a lot of reports uh, did indicate this, that the Jays were going to look at doing this as early as possible throughout the offseason. Who knows how successful they were going to be. But obviously at the, now it is successful, but this does not impact anything else. And that, that was also asked to general manager Ross Atkins about, will this impact your pursuit of people like maybe Robbie Ray or other starters or even other players in, in general after the money that you just gave out to Barrios? And he flat out said no. And that's, um you know, that's obviously make that obviously makes sense. And for him to say that, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. The fact that they still have more money to spend. It's still going to be a busy winter for them. And quite frankly, they have a lot more work to do. So for Jose Barrios, it's great that he wants to be here as much as he does in the short two months that he had last year that won him over. And I think that everything that he did say yesterday was completely 100% the truth. And the fact that he feels that comfortable to bypass free agency, like I mentioned, because we were also talking about how the twins were expecting him to test the market. And that kind of had an impact on why he was traded last August, or last July is that he was, I think he actually said to the media down in Minnesota when he was part of the Twins that it was something along the lines of every player dreams about being a free agent, getting to that point of being able to test the market. He comes to Toronto, he feels at home right away, and now he's one of the main pieces and the main faces of this organization moving forward. And, you know, just to lay out some key details here, um, He's, he has a $5 million signing bonus for next year. He will be paid $10 million on top of that. $15 million he will earn in 2023. $17 million in 2024. $18 million in 2025 to 2026. And to the, the, the next couple of years of his deal are $24 million, which is, runs through 2027, 2028. He does have an opt-out clause after five years, but if you're the Blue Jays, that doesn't concern you that all that much in five years. And, of course, he also has a limited no-trade protection. Uh, I think it's an eight-team no-trade list. So he is compensated very well. He is locked in very well. And um, do you think he is the opening day starter next year, though? Or do you think that it could be going to somebody else? Maybe somebody else like Robbie Ray who potentially comes back? Or just, you know, do you think the Jays go out and spend this amount of money again on another starter? I like that we have to have this conversation and that we really have no idea because here's the thing right now, obviously Ryu had a terrible second half of this season, but realistically you have three guys that, that could be your opening day starter as of right now without any other signings, which is Barrios, Ryu, or Manoa. To be completely honest, I think you just throw names in a hat and pick out of those two because like it could be Manoa, it could be Barrios. I don't think it's going to be Ryu. I know I mentioned him just because of his track record, but it could be, uh, to be honest, I think maybe it's likely if Robbie Ray doesn't come back that Barrios is the, the home opener starter. I think that's probably, I tried to look up the, the schedule, but for some reason all these websites were only giving me like a fraction of the game, so I couldn't fully see, like I was thinking, why do they have a 20 game road trip to start the season? That doesn't make sense, but um, I, I think the team will look at the, the schedule and say how many games are there until the home opener 
and then they'll kind of organize it based off of that. And if they can get Brio start both the home opener and the season opener, then I am not against that by any means. But I, I to be completely honest, like I know I talk about opening day starters or in my you know when we're not on the podcast about how it, it has to be this guy, and I think it's really cool that you have a guy starting. But at the same time, when you have this many guys that could be your opening day starter, I just I I to put it bluntly don't care just like just put any of them and it's good because like at the end of the day like I know we talked about this at at length at the end of the season at how every single game matters but at the end of the day if Barrio starts game one and Manoa starts game two or vice versa then it's you know it, it is what it is so uh, the one thing I will say is if Barrios right now is your wild card starter or game elimination game seven type starter that's definitely for sure but opening day I'd say it's either him or Manoa, depending on who it is or who the opponent is and who uh, or, or how the schedule goes out into the home opener. Yeah, so based on that answer, I assume that you're going with the idea that they are done spending that or, you know, a lot of money now on top of the end rotation starters and they're going to focus more on the, the back end of the rotation, possibly four to five. So that also adds on to my other question. And of course, I alluded to this a few minutes ago. Now let's get in depth with it. We're going to talk about Robbie Ray a few times this episode, but now one of the main questions that has come after this signing is what's next for Robbie Ray? What's next for any kind of starter in this rotation? But we'll, you know, just because it's Robbie Ray, we'll focus on Robbie Ray here. And obviously the, the, the dollar amount is going to be significant for Robbie Ray as well. So you had a theory or not even a theory. You kind of just had a statement um, yesterday, or I think it was yesterday when we were talking about what, what the topics for today. And you said the fact that Robbie Ray ain't coming back. Tell us why you think there is a 0% chance Robbie Ray comes back next year. See, I don't think it's zero. I just think it's very questionable. I'd say it's 50-50 at this point. And actually, so the thing is, is the day, I think it was Wednesday or yeah, today's Friday. So I think it was Wednesday when the Cy Young winners were announced and both Robbie Ray and Dan Schulman were on Tim and Friends because it was, it was like 5 or 6 p.m. So the show was on. Dan Schulman said it was a 60-40 chance that he signs. I think after that, uh, so after that interview, Robbie Ray came on with his family. I think after listening to that, it's 50-50 at best. And that's not to say that I don't want him to come back. Obviously, I would love to have him come back for five years. And if you're Robbie Ray, you look at, you have a solidified one-two punch at the top of your rotation. You have got, you have two MVP finalists. Well, maybe only one next season because I think Simeon's gone. But like you have a top-tier team that you could be a part of but the fact that I think it was Ken Reed so he was on the show at the time he's a hockey analyst basically he flat out said what does this Cy Young award have to do with your chances of coming back next season or something along those lines and Robbie Ray basically chuckled and said I love Toronto I'm paraphrasing but he said I love Toronto but I'm enjoying free agency as well and the way I see it is that was probably the closest thing we'll get to him saying I'm looking at other options and I think the Blue Jays are one of those options like free agency he's it does not mean that he can't come back it, or it doesn't mean that he's not looking at the Blue Jays like they're still in the, the market I think absolutely but I think the fact that he said that probably means that he's looking elsewhere and the thing is is if the Blue Jays give him a competitive offer whether it's the same as most of the teams or what they're giving him, whether it's term money or anything like whether if they give a a similar competitive offer, 
Personally, as a biased fan, I think he should take that deal with the Blue Jays. However, I think that there's probably a very good chance that he goes elsewhere. Not sure why. I mean, he could definitely work with Pete Walker, finish off his career, win a couple World Series with uh, with some of these teammates. But I think that normally you hear guys say things like, oh, I'm just focusing on right now, you know, whatnot, when they're asked about their future. But he pretty much just said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the other options. So it, I mean, we'll see how the offseason goes. I could be 100% wrong. We could hear at the end of this podcast while we're editing that he signs a deal with the Blue Jays and I'd be you know we'd be very happy about that but (laughs) I unfortunately have to say I have a lot of doubts about him coming back after that interview and I knew it immediately like you know as you as uh, you read what I said I I said he ain't coming back like I put it very bluntly I was like yeah guys this guy's gone and I don't want that to happen I think he's he's definitely a top of the line starter and considering that Simeon Woods Richardson who I believe was struggling a little bit last season in the minors but Considering they did lose a pitching prospect in the Brios deal, that's one guy you have to consider. However, you have Nate Pearson, who I think is bound for a rebound season. So, like, regardless, without Ray, the rotation is going to be worse. But I still think it's decent. It's still good, I would say, without him. But, uh, you know, I do have my doubts about him coming back just after that interview. And hopefully he does. Obviously, if he comes back for five years, this is probably the best rotation in at least the AL East, maybe even the league. But I do have my doubts after hearing that interview. And it was, it wasn't like most of the interview questions were just about him winning the Cy Young. But that one question about his future made me question what was going on. I love Toronto, but I also love the free agency process. I mean, even before this extension was announced with Barrios, I had my doubts with, or I now had my doubts then, right after the season. And I, to, I told both of you guys that I think it's unlikely that both of them, or both him or Marcus Simeon, are back next year. So, you know, I, I want to trust Ross Atkins and kind of assume that this signing of Barrios doesn't really impact anything else. But when you think about it, it's hard to imagine now, you know, you have Hunjin Ryu on the books for $80 million and you're halfway through that. So you have $40 million left. You have Alec Manoa and obviously he's on a rookie deal. So you have Barrios, you have Ryu who are now making a lot of money. It just, for me, it's hard to imagine where you spend that much on another starter in this rotation. Now, that's the only thing I think of it. I can be completely wrong. It's just my kind of me just spitballing. But even before the extension with Barrios, I had my doubts but I do think if it was one of the two, maybe it's more likely that Robbie Ray is back than Marcus Simeon. And, um, you know, it kind of flip-flops throughout this whole process. But, you know, friend of the show, and I'm going to keep saying that. I'm not going to let that go. Dan Shulman says it's 60-40. So he's obviously more confident as well that Robbie Ray is back next year than Marcus, someone like Marcus Simeon. But I'm not going to rule anything out. I do think no matter what it was even before, it was unlikely. But, of course... The Jays are in touch. We know that. He even admitted that. So that's pretty much all you can ask for right now. And they've been in touch with basically all their pending free agents. And that includes people like Steven Matz, um, Marcus Simeon. And of course, you know, they had, they were interested in, you know, they're interested in a lot of names. And of course, another name that they were interested in that ended up going back to the Houston Astros this week was Justin Verlander. So pretty much point being, and they were also interested in Andrew Heaney uh, before that. So point being is they are very active in the rotation market or the start, uh, the starting rotation market for pitching. And that's a good thing. And of course you want that because they do have more work to do near that back end of the rotation. And, um, you know, you have 
maybe someone like Ross Stripling, Nate Pearson. Those are right now, according to Fangraphs, you're projected four or five starters next year. I still think you're one piece away. And, um, you know, it's just for me, it's hard to, for you to give both of these guys at the same time an opportunity or somebody else. It could be anybody else. But I do think they are one more away from having a set rotation. And, of course, they have lots of other uh, focuses that they're going to have to address, including the infield that we've talked about many times as well. So um, that's that. And we'll, we will kind of transition more a little bit with Robbie Ray. And, of course, as you were mentioning too, officially the Cy Young Award winner. And I think as your your joke a couple of weeks ago, it was grunt runner for the Cy Young, something like that. I'll let you correct me because I'm sure I'm wrong. But anyways, that was the greatest when... joke I've ever said ever. <laughs> I, See, I still I... don't... <laughs> But like it makes sense. He like play on words. My, my I thought of it. I thought it was clever. Either way, he's not the he's not the grunt runner any, anymore. He's the, uh, the I don't have a another pun, but he won the award. So we'll we'll put that that joke to rest. Yes. So twenty nine <laughs> out of thirty votes wins the AL Cy Young. I think Garrett Cole got the other vote. I'm not sure exactly, but of course Lanson was another one uh, based off you know names of consideration. So we do congratulate. Robbie Ray for officially winning the AL Cy Young as he becomes the grunt runner to the actual grunt winner of the AL Cy Young Award. So, Jacob, um, I'm sure you're, you know, I think everyone kind of expected that. So definitely good news, and we will keep tabs on Robbie Ray throughout the the rest of the offseason, and I'm sure, you know, pretty much every team seems to be interested in Robbie Ray that is in need of starting pitching, so it's something to keep an eye on. And, um, you know, I, I hate to do this, but now we are going to move over to the next award, and this is something that you have had a lot to say about this. So, Mark, if you are listening to this, uh, you got lucky because you don't have to witness kind of this rant uh, in or kind of as we record this, because uh, Jacob does have his opinions on the MVP award. But of course, last night the MVP award was handed out, and uh, first starting with the National League, Bryce Harper wins the National League MVP. So, congratulations to him. And in the AL MVP, Shohei Otani unanimously wins the AL MVP, beating out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Simeon, who are both AL MVP finalists. So, Jacob, uh, I'll give you the floor once again on this. What are your thoughts on Shohei Otani winning the MVP? Should Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have been the MVP? I would like to congratulate Shohei Otani on winning the MVP. Now, here's the thing. He got 30 first-place votes. Guerrero got 29 second-place votes, and Simeon got 24 third-place votes. So if you're looking at the chart, it's pretty much just a, a diagonal. I'm going to say, you know what? As much as I think that Guerrero is a valuable player, it seems that a lot of people think Otani was the most valuable of players. So I would like to congratulate him and put that to rest because, you know what? If he got a few first-place votes, then I could say... Okay, you know, maybe I had some legitimacy there, but if if Otani truly is this valuable, I guess I was wrong. He got, you know, you look at it, he got 420 full votes or votes in total. Guerrero got 269. Uh, you know, I'll give credit to them. Both of them had very good seasons. I guess, you know, Otani just playing on both sides of the fields gave him, uh, gave him the edge. So, I'll, you know what, I'll give him credit and... I will finally put that to rest. I, I still think Guerrero is an MVP caliber player. And the one big thing that I've been seeing is people are saying on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot is that any other season where Guerrero excuse me, puts up those numbers and he's your MVP, 
Like it, it literally, like it, it took a guy coming and doing what somebody hasn't done in like a century in order to beat uh, Guerrero for the MVP. So I'll give credit to Shohei Otani. Hasn't been done before. What we're seeing maybe happens again next season. I mean, that his health was deteriorating a little bit towards the end of the season, but it was, you know what? I'll give him credit. And considering Guerrero got zero first place votes, he would have got one if I was voting. But um, you know what? I'll I'll put that to rest. I'll say he that as I said already, Otani was clearly the most valuable. Guerrero and and Simeon were valuable, but Otani just happened to be a little bit more valuable. So full credit to him. And really, I don't think that this should take away from the season that either of those three players had. The first, the top three players. You know, considering that two of the top three were on your team on the Blue Jays. I think that proves that this was a good team. And again, I'll reiterate, you have two MVP finalists. You have a Cy Young winner. You have like, and you still don't even make the playoffs. Rob Manfred, please change the, the format, but that's a topic for another day. And in terms of the MVP, uh, you know what? Just give credit to Otani because he had, like, even though he beat out a player that I cheer for, it was still fun to watch, honestly. I like to see comparable home run numbers and to see pitching like it is this is the type of stuff that like you you see when you're playing the MLB the show and to see it actually happen it's just it's ridiculous and it is growing the game of baseball too I know he his his home fans back in his native country really love him so it's it's growing the game and it's overall it's it's great and considering that two MVPs were from Toronto too I think that proves if you're you know, if you're a free agent, who, why wouldn't you want to play with these guys? Or at least one of them. I don't think Simeon's back. But regardless, MVP, whatever, the votes are done. It's still, I think it's still, we got to consider that these players did have such fantastic seasons. And it's just, it's, it's just one of many to come. You think about, I think Guerrero, he came up in 2019. So he has, I think, four or five more years left on his rookie deal. And we'll see what happens with uh, with extensions. I think those extensions are going to start coming soon for Bichette and, and Guerrero. We'll see about Biggio. But all these guys, they're going to need to start getting contracts. But as for this season, this is just a sign of things to come. And next season, I think that we might be seeing uh, a team atop of the AL East if, if uh, these performances are able to come up basically from the get-go. So credit to everybody i mean even look at here aaron judge and carlos correa were in the top five and i think within the top 10 uh there was another blue jay who his name has escaped me that was in the top 10 but still i think when you you see this many diverse players uh, out of this many countries it just proves that the game is growing and even though blue jay didn't win i think i'm still happy with the the results see it sounds like you're conceding a little bit which is fine i mean i'm, ju- I'm just let i'm just letting otani uh, eat his cake like he he earned it and you know, you know he had his cake he, he's gonna eat it Guerrero I don't even know if that's the right analogy I, I it's basically not. no not at all <laughs> oh god we're not even gonna cut that out because that's terrible but uh, you know what Otani had a great season Guerrero had a great season I'm not conceding I'm just being slightly less irrational than I was during the regular season so you're being more passive aggressive which is fine <laughs> and um yeah I mean I think this was kind of a lock from the start. Um, I think Mark and I, I think we both agreed with um, at the All-Star break when we were talking about this, and I know you thought otherwise. So 2022 is still going to happen. I mean, maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can win that next year. You are on the hype train for the Jays in the World Series next year. So why not have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. uh, for the MVP? So that's that. And, of course, um, 
you know, with the MVP and everything like that, it just, it depends on how you look at it. It depends on what you think of it. You know, do you all of a sudden want Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to pitch? I mean, that's a lot of arguments that people have been making. And it seems like, um, you know, or that's what people are saying. A lot of people think that that's the only way Vladimir Guerrero Jr. could maybe win the MVP one day. A lot of people take into consideration of the playoff success or kind of, you know, just playoff anything close to a final record. And if your team makes the playoffs or not, or how close you were. So there's lots of ways to look at it. And of course, you do look at it differently. But the main thing that a lot of people do look at is, um, I guess, just the individual performance and how Shohei Otani was able to do this at an elite level in two different positions. But another takeaway I have for you, Jacob, is I do think if you want the format to be changed, I really do think you'd be a good union leader um, (laughs) because of the playoff format and, of course, the MVP format that you want changed. So maybe you should just be the next um, union leader. And obviously, I would get behind that. Honestly, I would. So I do think you do a really good job at that. But, um, you know, throughout the rest of the, the baseball world, obviously, throughout the the last week, you got you mentioned uh, Noah Syndergaard off the top. He does go to the LA Angels for one year. We know the Jays were interested. I mentioned about 20 minutes ago or 10 minutes ago that Justin Verlander goes back to the Houston Astros for the next two years at um, $50 million. And another team that the Jays were interested in, they attended a showcase. And another um, free agent that went off the board in in this update is Eduardo Rodriguez, who goes from the Boston Red Sox to the Detroit Tigers for five years, $77 million, which is an average annual salary of $15.4 million per year. That's a lot of term for somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez. And for him, there's a lot of comparables to Eduardo Rodriguez, Steven Matz, and of course, um, kind of like just in terms of that caliber, there's a lot to go on there and in terms of him setting the market. So we will see what happens with that. And um, it does set up a pretty big payday. Uh, for someone like Steven Matz and kind of the rest of the um, free agents in that caliber that remain. And um, you mentioned it a few minutes ago as well with extensions to Guerrero and possible extensions to Bichette and uh, a few other names, obviously, throughout the, the rest of the or the young core in the Blue Jays. Do you think there's or when do you think extensions will come out to guys like Guerrero and Bichette? I think it's going to come within the next two years, whether it's this offseason or next uh, offseason, because eventually you're going to have to like their contracts will expire and i think within the next 4 years i think it is those two specific players are going to start uh start expiring on their rookie deals they both came up in 2019 so i think 2020 was their first full season well full season but um it's going to have to happen soon i mean eventually the thing you also got to con- or have to consider is if they keep performing at the level that they are, that's just going to up their payday. And I'm not saying that the Blue Jays are going to cheap out and sign them now so they can save $30 million in the long run. But if you say you wait till 2023 or 2024, they could easily be pushing $200 million over 15 years. I mean, maybe 15 is too much. You think about some of the deals that some guys have signed, like uh, there was a few $300 million deals within the last couple seasons. But if you keep waiting, I think you easily could push that if you're one of those two players. So it's going to have to happen eventually. And the thing is also, they're going to have to want to be here. Now, we do talk about their competitive window and how it's, with this core, it's probably going to last until, I would say maybe the end of the decade is when it'll start to, uh, or maybe towards the latter half of the decade is when it'll fade out and then it'll probably be over by the end of the decade. But if you can convince these guys to stay longer, they could easily probably stay till 2030 maybe 2035 something like that and I know these are huge contracts and maybe you don't want as many 
hundred million dollar contracts as other teams. You know, you have obviously Simi or uh, Springer, excuse me, the wrong S name, but you have Springer, you have now Barrios. If you have Guerrero and Bichette, you also have to consider Teoscar Hernandez. I think Guriel might not get that type of extension or that type of contract, but you're going to have to consider how many $100 million contracts you want and over how many years, because that's a lot of money. And if things were to go sour, then that obviously Rogers is going to just up the phone prices even more. So you're going to have to really consider that. But it's, I think within the next couple seasons or within the next, I would say next off season by next off season. So within the next two, we will see a variety of extensions because eventually it's going to have to happen. And you want to have that, that consistency and that guaranteed uh, th- that guaranteed skill within the next couple seasons. So we shall see. I it will be definitely interesting how how willing players are to talk about it now. Because as I said, if you wait a couple of years, you could easily make a little bit more money. Well, a little bit, you know, thirty million is not a little bit, but you know what I mean. Like they could easily push an extra couple seasons, an extra couple thirty to sixty million. So we'll see how eager they are to talk about it now, but. I think that within the next year or two, we will, we will see a variety of, of extensions and that will really up the payday or the payroll for the Blue Jays. And that's the biggest thing that I'm paying attention to now is it's 2021. So the last three years, I think we've been now been talking about how the Blue Jays have flexibility with their capital because they don't have all these players on those $100 million contracts. They're all on $500,000 per year contracts or something like that with you know league minimum that's that time is over now so if you're Rodgers you're Mark Shapiro you're Ross Atkins you're going to need to really work things out and, and make it so that you can fit all these guys because the last thing you want in a sport where there's no salary cap is not being able to afford guys because of a self-inflicted I guess salary cap so they're going to need to work things out now and it just think about it if you see one of these long-term deals i think it could be a very exciting time for a very long time in in toronto sports because typically guys leave throughout all the sports in the in the league or, or in the city guys leave or contracts aren't that long but if you can lock somebody up like this then it it definitely could be a very fun time for the team it can be and yeah i, th- I agree with you i think we're probably a year away from that i don't necessarily expect it to happen this offseason and um even with somebody like Bo Bichette as well those two I just I don't see happening I think there's other needs as of now that the Jays need to settle long term and that includes people like maybe bringing back Robbie Ray and other people like that so we are about 10 days away until the CBA expires so we are very close to it by the looks of it a potential work stoppage throughout the offseason so a lot of this is probably going to cool down a bit unless next week there's a flurry of signings that happen. And of course, that is possible. And, um, you know, I, Mark and I also talked about a couple days ago. Do we think that if, the, you know, the extension with Brios, is this the last thing or kind of last big thing we see out of the Blue Jays until after the CBA is signed? And who knows when that it'll be because we are, we, it looks like we are going to turn into a labor pod throughout the winter, which is going to suck. And uh, we've been trying to avoid it as much as we can. So I guess I'll ask you that question. And on top of that, do you have any other kind of key names that the Jays should target? Um, you know, whether that's next week or throughout the off season, um, once the CBA is agreed upon eventually, do you guys, do you have any other names that you are going to consider? And, you know, the, I'll ask you the question that 
Mark asked me a few days ago, is this the last big move or kind of last move in general that we see the Blue Jays make before the CBA expires? That's interesting. So the thing is, we did hear, I don't know if you guys mentioned this, uh, or I can't remember, but or if whenever the report went out, but we heard that Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager are expected to sign contracts by December 1st, so before all the CBA stuff. I think, so it is currently, when this will be up, it'll be November the 19th, so we have roughly, whatever it was you said, 10 days until then. I think if the Blue Jays do sign somebody, it'll it'll be Robbie Ray. Uh, maybe that's too bold of a take, but I think that if uh, that's probably their their number one target right now. I don't think that you know maybe you see a trade for Jose Ramirez probably not within the next ten days. We haven't really heard anything yet. If if something were to happen, I mean it would have to start the rumors. I guess well, they don't have to start now, but it probably would start to heat up in terms of discussions. That would probably have to happen. That will pro if that doesn't happen now, it'll probably happen after the CBA negotiations, but when I say that, that could be God knows how long, but uh, if you're the Blue Jays, step number one needs to be Robbie Ray. I think Marcus Simeon is gone. Unfortunately, you know, obviously I like Marcus Simeon. I thought he had a fantastic season and the voters thought he had a fantastic season, but I don't think he's coming back. And if you don't get Robbie Ray and if you think that your chances of getting Robbie Ray are low, you got to start looking at the other free agents and you know, the top five free agents or the top, yeah, the top four actually on this list here, Eduardo Rodriguez, we all talked about him, Justin Verlander, Syndergaard, Andrew Heaney, all three of them or all four of them are gone off the market. You know, you got to start looking at guys, maybe these are way into like out of, out of, uh, out of the picture, but guys like Zach Greinke, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, all free agents, guys that you could, if you want, two or three years, you know, all, all these guys are starting to age, especially Granke and, and Kershaw. Maybe you consider that, you know, those, they could put up similar numbers or, or maybe not similar to Robbie Ray, but you could get a solidified starter, especially one with playoff and World Series uh, experience. Marcus Stroman, another guy on that list. You know, I think pitchers are pretty much, that's who the Blue Jays are going to focus on. Like, they don't need position players right now. I mean, well, obviously it's nice to make additions, but they have a hole in their rotation that they need to fill. And when I look at this list, pretty much those guys I listed off aside from Robbie Ray are the guys you have to look at. And I know I said, I think it was one of us said that there was a chance Marcus Stroman comes back. I, I'm just putting it at, I don't think it's going to happen, but if it happens, then it, it, you know, we'll see what it is, what it is, but that's who you got to look at. You got to look at these pitchers, but the thing is, is if none, if discussions haven't started now within these guys, and we don't know that if they have or not, we haven't really heard any reports, but if nothing has started now, then that's probably an indicator that no signings are going to be made until after the CBA, just because nobody's going to, like, they're not going to say, the Blue Jays are not going to call up Zach Granke and say, you know, let's discuss a contract right now, and then in 10 days, just not talk about anything, or because we have to focus on the CBA and especially for him he probably would want to see what's going to happen so I'm putting it at the only person the Blue Jays would sign before the CBA is is negotiated is Robbie Ray after that it's fair game it's either a starter or you make some trades so definitely it's going to be a weird offseason it's not going to be like last offseason where pretty much every day it was breaking news Blue Jays are interested in this this guy or you know every other day and then it was well maybe they're going to sign Springer and then the talks heated up, and at midnight one night, we just randomly see the the announcement. Like, that's not going to happen this offseason. If anything, 
we might get at midnight breaking news the 2022 season's canceled and I don't want that to happen but you know well we'll have to see so I don't think that much is going to happen until then unless it's Robbie Ray coming to the Blue Jays or other players signing elsewhere yeah I'm with you on the part where I don't think the Jays are going to make anything or have a big move of course I want to be wrong because we we need a lot of content to talk about next week but (laughs) I don't expect anything big to happen Next week, now, unless, of course, maybe that is Marcus Simeon being back, because apparently uh, he is expected, or there's a good chance him and alongside, um, or, sorry, yeah, he, he there is a chance that he could be signing before that de- December 1st deadline. So if that's the case, or if that's just a tactic that their player agents are using, because Scott Boris is one of their players, or, sorry, one of the player agents that is representing Marcus Simeon, and of course, Corey Seager is another one I was uh, I couldn't forget I didn't remember his name until now. So those two apparently are, but if not, I'm expecting very minimal next week. I just think that a lot of this is going to go into the new year, unfortunately, and that includes Robbie Ray. But yeah, I mean, and when you want to look at it too uh, through the free agency, and of course you have Barrios locked up. Uh, that was probably that's one of the things that was was on the checklist this offseason. You cross that off, and now you still have a few other things that we've discussed. You need potentially get an infielder and potentially get another starter and of course add to the bullpen so there's lots of names out there that are good options for the Jays and I'm sure they're going to be kicking tires at all these guys you mentioned Jose Ramirez Kyle Seeger's available um Chris Taylor's also available Trevor Story is also available those are all kind of potential infield names alongside Marcus Simeon if he can come back or not um there's lots of bullpen names and of course there's Starters other than Robbie Ray, there's Kevin Gosman, there's John Gray, there's Yusei Kikuchi, and um, these are all kind of names that would enter or kind of benefit the Jays in some sort of way. So we will see if anything kind of major throughout the entire sport happens next week. It, you could see it kind of from both ways. If there's a lot that kind of gets over with before the work stoppage that is expected to happen as of December 1st, or if a lot of this kind of carries over uh, to the to the new year as you know potential work stoppage does take effect throughout the holidays so we will see with that and i think from there we'll wrap things up i think uh we've covered most of it a great week for the blue jays jose barrios is here for the next seven years and i will double down on what i said a couple days ago jacob you did not hear this originally so i'll tell you now jose barrios will be my next jersey that i get i don't know about you but for me he will be mine i thought of that i'm not gonna lie because the thing is i now that i I think the I have three jerseys, well, four jerseys right now. I have an Edwin Encarnacion jersey, a Kevin Pillar jersey, and then a couple Leafs and a, well, a Leaf and a Raptors jersey. All of them are outdated now, and so I I want somebody that's going to be here for a while. So I you know, I I've considered it. Yeah, I mean definitely, and uh, the fact that he's signed in for the next seven years gives you the green light for that. And of course, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/section138. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode, and if you enjoy the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, you can re- re- rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you can also listen to us on Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also watch us on YouTube if you like to presume your content from that way at Section 138 Podcast. And of course, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Section 138 Pod. All three of us are expected to be back, including Mark, next week. Uh, and that will be the last episode before the. Uh, the CBA expires so we have one more to go until then we hope there's a lot that happens next week uh, including for the Blue Jays especially for the Blue Jays and we will catch you next time I ain't got a ways one breath, I'm soaking it